Hey listeners, I'm Adam, and this is Can I Ask You a Question, a podcast where anyone is welcome to join me for an episode to share their thoughts on a topic of their choice. I'm looking forward to hearing new opinions and perspectives, and hopefully becoming a bit more open-minded along the way. If you're interested in joining me for a future episode, feel free to check out the sign-up link in this episode's description. All right, ready to go? Let's do it. Kev, thanks for thanks for joining me. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Uh, is it cool if we jump right in? Let's do it. Okay. So, uh, appreciate the outline that you put together. Um, I like what you did. Uh, before we jump into definitions, though, can I just get your quick take yeah. on the question, which was, has fake news always been a thing throughout history? So I think ultimately the answer is yes. Okay. Uh, I think as long as there's been history, there's been fake news. Okay. Uh, and you know, one of the as I was thinking about this, one of the conclusions I came to was that as long as there's been a way for people to communicate with each other, whether it's through spoken, written, picture, whatever um, language, there's been deception of some sort. Um, so I don't think that's anywhere close to being new. We use it in different ways, and of course, it, in today's world, the scope is, of course, bigger, um, but it's been around forever. Okay. And how do you define it? So I actually, I was trying to find a really good definition that didn't really um, pigeonhole the conversation into, like, it's all about ads on the internet, because that's not really, you know, the, the full definition. So I found one um, from uh, a website called PolitiFact that I really liked, so I'll share it. Fake news is made up stuff masterfully manipulated to look like credible journalistic reports that are easily spread to large audiences willing to believe the fictions and spread the word. Okay. What do you think about that definition? I like it. Uh, I, I just went to Wikipedia. Yeah. And it was similar. It was something along the lines of deliberately spreading false information. Um, my question was, and then later in... in some of the stuff I was reading, it broke down uh, fake news into three categories. Mm-hmm. It was misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. Okay. Misinformation was uh, information that's generally agreed to be false, but isn't done with harmful intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, disinformation is also false, but done with harmful intent. And then malinformation is true information but exposed at a time where the int- there's harmful intent. So it would be like exposing something about a candidate like a week before the election yeah. or something like think that. Think of a good example. Of yeah, we should have. I think that's totally fair. I think, you know, I, I also did some thinking about the different um, types of fake news, but I think one other point I want to make on the, the definition piece is if you separate... Um, like the today's definition of fake news as a um, like a compound idea and distill fake and news uh, and what those two words have meant over time. Uh, I think that also provides some interesting context. So I think you know the definition of fake is not genuine counterfeit. And I think you know we chatted about this since there's the beginning of time. There's been fake things and deception. So I don't think that definition or that concept has changed. You know, in thousands of years, it's the same. Yeah. Um, where it gets interesting actually is the definition of news. Um, that means something different in today's world of like mass consumption than it did two thousand years ago. Um, so, you know, if you go back 
2000 years as an example, news was like your dad passing information from the marketplace or like one central person in the community found out something and he would share it with everybody. Um, and word of mouth was, you know, how, how things were done. Um, and you know, things like stories being passed down, um, you know, whether in, in verbal or in writing as, as, you know, writing developed, um, that's where it all started. Things like the printing press obviously made it easier to disseminate news, um, and made it more like I'm writing this to send to tons of people to influence them. Um, and then, you know, hundred years, hundred years, hundred years, then you start having things like digital news, digital media, um, and the internet come along, which, uh, you know, changed the news game considerably in, in terms of scope. Um, you know, you're, you now have access to, you know, millions of sources on the same thing versus like one source that you had no choice to believe because there was no other source. Um, you know, the other, the other thing I'd call out is news historically has, uh, it was more, you know, we won the battle. Or like we lost the battle, and everyone that message meant the same thing to everybody. Now news um, can be and is very often more targeted. So it's more like Adam, you know, I know who you are, and I know what you look at and what you what you consume. So I'm going to shoot these specific uh, you know news articles or news with a certain spin in your direction and influence the type of news you see. That's that's a relatively new concept because. It's only recently that we can have that level of targeted information. You know, a great example of that's um, the 2016 election. Like everyone who was a Trump supporter was just reading articles that said Trump was going to win and he was the best, and everyone who was a Hillary supporter was reading articles that Hillary was the best and she was going to win. So everyone went to the election thinking that you know there's no other opinion out there. Every, everyone believes the same thing I do. Um, you know, for people who just consume things on social media and whatnot. So that's super interesting. Speaking of the 2016 U.S. election, I saw something that I personally thought was shocking. It said um, the top 20 stories that were categorized as fake news yeah. that were um, shared on Facebook got more engagement during the 2016 election than the top 20 real, credible stories right. got. That's crazy. <laughs> Very sad. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's actually interesting because... Bridging that into kind of what you what you started off um, in the intro around the the different types of fake news, yeah, I think that type of fake news that 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 causes a lot of um, you know that consumption um, falls into so one step back. I think there's a couple of categories of fake news that are more common now than they were in the past. I mean, they weren't there, um, but they're certainly made easier. And one of them, I think, ties into the example you were just talking about. Um, and it's kind of defined as a false connection. So, you know, the, the election is a great example, or, you know, let's use the recent raid on Area 51 that was <laughs> in the news. So you, you have uh, a title that says, you know, aliens discovered in Area 51, and then you open the article, and it's like about a weight loss program that they're trying to advertise to you, and you get a lot of people clicking and reading based on these sensationalist titles, a lot of which also come out during election season. Yeah. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton, you know, does x in her home or yeah. donald trump you know eats children like <laughs> that kind of thing is like oh does he like you're gonna, you're gonna click the link and it's obviously not true but uh um they kind of get you in with that false title and then it's bait and switch essentially and takes you in another direction 
Um, the other one I think that's that's interesting in today's world, and I I, I wonder your opinion on this one too. Um, manipulated content, so not not necessarily like me telling you a story uh, and then you know kind of tweaking it a little bit. There's that's been going on forever, but. When we talk about content in terms of video or imagery or whatnot, um, that's been harder to do in the past, just because you know technology with pencils and 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 editing is very different than someone with an advanced Photoshop where they can like deep fake someone's face into a you know an image. Um, the example I thought about for this was Trump. Um, did you see the map with Hurricane Dorian where he? the weather service and yeah. showed it's going into Florida. Yeah. He, he took like a Sharpie yeah. and added like an extra yeah. loop that it was going into Alabama. Um, and you know, something coming from the president, something coming from the weather service. Most people are like, ah, oh. like that should be accurate, yeah. but it's, you know, it's manipulation of, of content um, that, you know, that's a, that's a primitive example, but like you can go a lot further than that. Yeah. I definitely agree that like deep fakes, those are what they're called, right? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely concerning. I'd hope that uh, technology will also be used by like the powerhouses like Google and, and such to be able to identify what are deep fakes through algorithms and, and yeah. remove them. Um, a question I had kind of related to, to what I just said about uh, potentially removing this mm-hmm. content. What do you think about what content should be uh, removed by social media platforms versus what should be allowed to be shared in terms of censorship of information and stuff like that. So on a personal level, I'm all about like anyone should be able to say whatever they want. I'm a big fan of, uh, you know, free speech and, and, and whatnot. Um, but in the world of the internet, it's especially problematic when like horrible outcomes are, are, driven through stuff that is like blatantly incorrect like anti-vax stuff as an example disseminated a lot through fake news stories and that's like a really terrible outcome for canada and the world if that goes and like it's in our best interest because that is bad like there's there's no kind of you know right or wrong there um but it's it's a fine line because there's stuff that's like blatantly incorrect that okay like you're you're saying something to an audience and you're deceiving them like a great example of something should be banned or taken care of like you know adam kruger pretending to be the new york times publishing an article that looks almost exactly like the new york times saying something that would influence my behavior like no and i think that's more criminal actually than than uh than some of the other examples but where you have to be careful i think is um Influence and deception—the the fine line between influence and deception. Like, who makes that call, right? Like, people have been influencing each other. You know, you should vote for this political party. Here's why. Here's why this other party is terrible. You should join my religion. Here's why this other religion sucks. Like that. That dialogue. There's a fine line between, you know, uh, getting rid of stuff that that is blatantly like incorrect versus stuff that's you know more genuine but not you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah so would you say you would side on um, instead of removing content that might potentially be misleading uh, maybe like social media platforms could 
still show that content, but have a better way of uh, maybe saying their stance on we're highly confident this is false information or or some better way for when I see an article on social media, I get a quick sense of either what Facebook thinks of it or what the community thinks. And I get there's problems with that because if it's what the community thinks, that could also be influenced. Like I saw something which I also thought was mind-blowing. It said Facebook removed uh, a record 2.2 billion fake accounts in Q1 of this year. 2.2 billion accounts in three months. That's crazy. <laughs> and you, th- you probably think of how the, the few number of people compared to 2.2 billion that are actually manipulating this and, and creating accounts. Cause like 2.2 billion people aren't all creating no. fake accounts. It's probably <laughs> like, you know, a few tens of thousands yes. of people that are, yes. that are in that. Um, the other, the other point there is like, you have to trust Facebook, which it's a corporation. Like, yes, I believe that generally speaking, they try to do good, but you know, if, if your views aren't aligned with the mainstream media, like, Silicon Valley, like California style opinion, I can see why you'd be like, what, why would I want Facebook, you know, to decide, to decide what, whether I say is you know, shareable or not. Um, so that's really interesting. But, but you would, would you, is it fair to say you'd side on instead of removing it? Um, like having, a yes, p- yeah. I think that's better because it still allows a person to decide for themselves right. and be like, okay, this is what this is saying. I'm going to go Google it and see whether I fit, you know, based on other sources, it's true or not. Right. Um, it just gets more and more difficult to, to sift through what is right and what is wrong. Right. Um, you know, and, and that's where like beginning of the internet, you're like, oh yeah, whatever is on here. Generally I could Google something and pull up the top 10 websites and they'd all be relatively true. I think it, it reinforces the importance of like the standards of journalism that like reputable, you know, organizations do. Um, so you know that you can go there for real information. Moving forward um, <clears throat> and using the 2020 U.S. election as an example, yeah. are you concerned? Do you do you think fake news will become more or, or less of a problem in 2020? The, the 2020 election versus what happened in 2016? Um, what I would say in 2020 is people are a lot more aware of it or the, aware that it exists. Um, Individuals and the social media platforms. Yes, yeah. Um, and I think there's going to be, particularly on the social media side, a lot more scrutiny around like people's experiences based on like that. It was all over the news lately about, you know, manipulation by, you know, Facebook, manipulation by other governments, all this stuff. So people are a little bit more wary about it, but it doesn't, it doesn't change the, um, emotional appeal of reading something or emotional consequences of reading something, whether it's true or not. Um, and some great examples from history, like a lot of, almost all of the fake news in history had an emotional, like World War One British propaganda, like Germans eat children and they take corpses and turn them into candle wax. And you're like, whoa, like gross. Like I don't like them anymore. Um, even though it's very ridiculous. 
but that's one example of thousands and thousands that have been used throughout history. Um, so it's certainly not a new um, phenomenon, and I think uh, it will have an impact in 2020. But you say you're optimistic, you're unsure, but maybe optimistic that it, it'll get better. Yes, I'm optimistic that. I mean, it's always like the the rules are a few years behind the crimes. Like the people who are most creative are going to be breaking the rules, and then there's some years of catch up where we figure out a way to regulate it. Um, so I think the last few years have been figuring that out, and I'm hoping. I mean, maybe 2020 is too soon to have a real way to deal with it, and it'll be more of like a test case. Um, but you never know. Um, so we've been talking a lot about, I would say, disinformation, which, mm-hmm. once again, uh, definition is um, false information that's spread... Maliciously. Uh, maliciously. Yeah. Do you think, like, how concerned are you about the other two types, which is uh, false information that's not spread maliciously, like the person actually believes it to be true, yeah. and then the other type, real, real news being... Uh, true things that are factual, but being spread uh, with malicious intent at certain times. And um, so, let's well, deal with that last one first. So, okay. I think you know, you we just talked about a great example around Trudeau. Yeah. Um, and 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 the timing of that is obviously like, huh, interesting. These all kind of just pop up now. Um, that I think is the least. I was going to say least harmful, but I have a really good example from uh, history where it was extremely harmful. Um, that is the least, um, this is the type of information we should be least concerned about removing because people this, people need the information and they can judge the conclusions. There's nothing false necessarily about it, right. but it's how you, how you, um, you know, provide how much the it sways you around and, it. Yeah. Like great example, um, tying it back to history. So, early 1930s, uh, just pre-Hitler in Germany, a um, lot of political turmoil, parties between like the fall of the, the monarchy and the Nazis coming in, a lot of turmoil politically. Um, the Reichstag, or the German parliament, catches fire in, in 1933. And it was done by like one, I think it was one person, and he's a communist, because there was a big communist faction in Germany at the time. Um, and, and they're pretty sure based on history that it was just the one guy and it was not like part of a broader thing. But Hitler jumps on the opportunity to say, like, the communists are overthrowing it, like they're, they're burning stuff down, we have to control, we have to, they're bad, they're terrible, and plays up this whole rhetoric and provides context around this one act that is like kind of true because he was communist, but like there was no broader communist conspiracy really to you know, overthrow the government. And the consequences of that were that people were like, oh my God, no communism. And they brought the Nazi party in, which led to World War II. So there's, you know, there are consequences to this kind of information as well, particularly if you have an audience that you can sway, uh, that is like more swayable um, than, than, than others. The other type of information, what was the, what was the first Uh, one? The first type is misinformation. So, the person sharing the information believes it to be true, but it's not true. So, like, there's there's real example things like satire, things like things that are created with a fun purpose. Right. Um, those are more 
not to be worried about. People do create false stuff for for you know enjoyment purposes, and there's no understanding that it is true. But I think the last part of that definition is really important in today's world, where something may start off as disinformation, but it fall, then eventually falls into the misinformation category because you know Adam told Bob, Bob told Mary, and Mary told Joe, and Joe's like, "Well, this is true. I'm not. I'm." I'm not malicious. I'm going to tell my friends because I heard it from, you know, someone I trust and down the, down the line. Um, and that's way easier in the, in the internet age because you can influence, you know, millions of people and all you need is, you know, 1% of their, the people who listen to be gullible to have it, you know, keep going. Get out of control. Um, so that's where it gets kind of scary. I agree. Uh, let's see what other questions I had. Um, how do you decide what news you feel you can trust or what, what, what do you think about when you're trying to decide if something is accurate? Um, so I, I have a couple of sources that I usually go to for like, like CNN as an example, if I want to know if something happened or like someone died or someone won an election, like facts like that uh a website like cnn super useful there's other websites like it like bbc these sort of cbc these broader like thing news outlets that are reporting facts okay when you take go to the second layer where you're interested in opinions um i try and read both like something on both sides and balance my view um but that requires you to be aware of leanings in media and you have to understand that, you know, in Canada, like National Post leads this way, Globe and Mail leads this way. If you're reading both, they're going to have different takes, but they're talking about the same thing. Understand that. And like, and it's not a bad thing either. It's it's good to, to hear opinions and different positions, and then you can inform yours. Um, when you when you start looking at things that are not general news and you're looking for like a, a specific topic, that's where it gets a little bit more... Like, I don't know if I trust these websites, not that they're wrong, but like the spin they're putting on it. Um, because, you know, Fox News is a great example in the States, like the spin central, like it's not wrong, but it's also like way, way, way not right either. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, for opinion pieces, try to try to look at both sides of the argument and, and make a decision for yourself on what you view as more credible totally unless you don't want to either right like as long as you as long as you understand you can only if you want you can only consume one of the things and no one's gonna no one's gonna you know say you're wrong it's just be aware that you know you are you know two standard deviations away from the center of the issue and that you know there's someone else two standard deviations in the other direction as as we look at like how things are trending, are you more concerned about people generally um, believing things that are fake, or are you more concerned about people losing faith in all news and just not believing anything? I think the second one has longer term, like bad, bad impacts. Like the other, the other thing I was thinking about before this was and it's a pretty much exactly the split you have. Is it is it 
fake news that you're trying people are trying to convince you is real or is it real news some people are trying to convince you is fake right or the setup is that you suspect it's fake and like Donald Trump's a great example of like real news being shared with him and him being like that's fake news like no I don't like that it's fake trying trying to get the public to just not trust anything they read anymore right which is a problem because then you go back um you know, hundreds and thousands of years back in history where you have one source, like the king or the president, who is sharing information and people feel like, I got to trust him because I don't trust any of the media. And that's like a huge regression um, from where we are today, where the media grew as a critique of the, the system, essentially, and the freedom to critique it and the freedom to have opinions and, and make sure that the you know the unwashed masses were as familiar with what's going on as the elites um so i, I think that's the bigger of the two problems i agree uh, yeah uh what else here one thing just maybe while we're while you're uh you're, you're thinking there yeah that, that i wanted to talk about too is and this is this was interesting for as i was thinking about um having this conversation around the purposes of fake news and when i started thinking about it i was like the purposes there are way different than what they were before like you know in the age of the internet people are doing things for different reasons and it's different when i sat down and thought about it there's nothing that i could find that is different in terms of purpose of fake news from today versus yesteryear like some of the key reasons some of them are emotional things like hatred, revenge, like you're saying, you know, my neighbors steal stuff because I don't like them or, you know, they, they uh, you know, burnt my house down. So, you know, you know, classical emotional responses, those have been around since humans, um, you know, political reasons. That's like the history of fake politic politics and religion are probably the two main drivers in history of fake news. And that certainly has not changed. Um, it's maybe been exasperated, but not exacerbated, but not, uh, uh, it's not new. Um, then you look at the more commercial side of things uh, about news, about products, whether you're trashing someone else's product or promoting your own in a, in a misleading way. That's probably newer at, because commerce is newer than people. Right. <laughs> um, but, but like since commerce, since commerce, yeah, people you know don't buy your gourd from that guy. Buy <laughs> my gourd because his fall apart, even if they don't. Yeah. Um, and then the last one really got me thinking was around um, fake news for for profit and for for pay. Um, and this was in today's world, things like clickbait and and. Um, advertisers that make their money from people clicking like the ufo thing and then you suddenly are served up an ad about something unrelated but you saw it so someone gets paid somewhere um and i was like oh that's new and then you know you start thinking about it and and it's not really new um you know as long as there's been newspapers people have put sensational headlines or you know the guy on the corner saying something that's not quite true to make you buy the paper and then you know pockets the cash even though the story inside is maybe not you know exactly what was sold um so it's it's a bigger problem now but telling lies or deception for profit uh you know that that is also as old as money right i think right um curious your thoughts on how 
how with with technology um, how it could affect um, the idea of a democracy moving forward. So Yuval Harari, who's a author and historian, he wrote Sapiens. Oh yeah, I've read a books. couple of his books. Yeah. yeah, he he's concerned about this. So his his stance is that, like you were talking about earlier, how in today's world. Um, someone can target you and say, Kevin, I know, like they know what you like yeah. and they can hit on points that you care about and influence you in a very targeted way versus in the past, one person kind of just had to uh, have a broad message that might resonate with some people and not with others. Right. So Yuval Harari argues that democracies in general could be in jeopardy if um, a lot of people... Um, de- he argues that democracies work because you get um, everyone gets a vote and they get to share their view. His concern is that although you think that your view might be your view, it might have been heavily influenced by um, people who corporations. are corporations by corporations. Yeah. So that um, yeah, he's concerned that democracy won't really have a point anymore if everyone who's voting has been so influenced by corporations and different groups that yeah i don't know i don't know what your what your thoughts are on that that's a tough one um probably two things i think one element is i have some faith in humanity and and people that people are smart um deep down and yes there are many people who are influenced and yes there are going to be um you know those that fall into these traps i i think there's lots who won't and i think it's up to the people who understand what's going on to educate and perhaps craft a system that that um alleviates this issue but you you can't you can't get rid of influences in people's lives um this is where fake news is a problem though because where in the past you might have been crossing the street walking to work and you stepped in a pothole and you're like well you know my city councilor hasn't fixed this pothole in you know two years I'm not going to vote for him next time I'm going to vote for somebody else and there's how you were informed on your decision and it's completely reasonable in today's world you know someone doesn't have to leave their living room and they're just reading about things that may influence them in their decision, which may or may not be true, which, which is a problem. Um, but like I, we chatted about earlier, I'm hoping that, you know, we are steps behind, but catching up in a, in a way to make it work. Um, you know, they, they've, they, with democracy, they've, they've in a lot of instances regressed a little bit to more, like bricks and mortar type democracy where technology is more susceptible to falling for these things. Like a lot of places, I think Canada even still uses paper ballots to keep, you know, influence out of the actual election. I can't think of a way to, you know, paper and pencil influence, um, but kind of removing the government system from this mess feels like one option. I don't know how to do it, but, uh, uh, he does make a good point. Like maybe democracy has to evolve um, to meet this challenge. We we may just find ourselves in like ten terrible situations and then realize this is not the way to do it, and we have to figure something else out. Yeah, a couple of thoughts thinking about what you said now. Um, yeah, I, I think his argument 
is that think about it now more is maybe he thinks that whoever whatever candidate or group is able to better utilize the technology might have an extreme advantage right. for example in the pothole example if one group is either is able to collect data on you that you just stepped in a pothole versus like whether you tweet it out or a camera catches you in a yeah. on the street and they they hit you with an ad like 5 minutes later on your phone saying we're going to solve pot like fix this fix potholes yeah whoever is able to utilize that like that's super powerful um, but on the flip side i was thinking more about it and i'm wondering if this concern has been around for a while in that people have always talked about like who should be allowed to vote should you make minimum requirements should they have to do like some sort of skill testing question to see if they have any sense of reality yeah and there's always that debate and it seems in today's world generally we've leaned in democracies towards letting everyone vote whether or not so like someone who's super educated has the same weight as someone who might not know as much about uh, politics, yeah. but I don't know. My general view is that that's a good thing. That's a good point, actually, because you know, people are more influenceable than ever before, but people are also more educated than ever before, right? Like instead of the five percent property owners that have enough money to you know be part of an exclusive society voting and determining for the other ninety-five percent, today you actually have a hundred percent of people who have you know hopefully almost the same access to information and, and opinions that everybody else does. Everyone can, or most people can read, most people have access to the internet, you know, whether it's, you know, at a library, if you don't, if you don't have access at home. Um, so there's forces in the other direction too, where people have more access to more information. Maybe people who weren't represented as much before because of that, now their voice is actually louder. Um, so that's a good point. Uh, on your first one around um, uh, which did, like whichever party or whichever group uh, have you have, can get the better best data that boils down to things like money too right whichever group has the most money can buy the best information um, the best talent uh, like exactly. engineers or whatever yeah which which Canada it's not so much of a problem but in the states uh, the Citizens United uh, Supreme Court um, uh, decision from a while back now where corporations can play like basically an unlimited role in elections and 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 like campaign donations um, it puts way too much power in the hands of corporations because they through mechanisms it's not as like you know I'm oil giant here's a you know a billion dollars go to your thing but they have ways that they that they they do it but um, you know, instead of corporations driving, you know, I'm going to give you the most money because I want you to win because you're going to like, you know, say climate change is fake uh, and I'm going to go do my oil thing for another hundred years. Um, without that money, you have people more on a level playing field talking about issues. And it, it sounds like utopian when you when you say it that way. But uh, it's a step in that direction that is, I think, important. And we don't have that problem in Canada, I don't think. Um, because we have different uh, rules around campaign finance. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. It's a very contentious, like, one of the, uh, I'm hopefully I'm getting this right, one of the, um, so the Constitution of the United States has amendments every, every um, you know, from time to time, and one of the amendments that's 
kept coming up as an amendment to the Constitution is the idea that around um, treating corporations like people, like they are an entity like that. Um, and because of that, they've, the implications are that they can have more influence than some people would like on, on politics. Um, so one of the things that keeps coming back up every time the government gets to, you know, a new government is elected is passing an amendment to change that. Um, because the Supreme Court of the United States interpreted the Constitution as it is to allow that. And in order to change that, you have to amend the Constitution. So that's one interesting thing that could take money or m more money out of um, politics in the states. But like these things take years and years and decades to change. So, Do you think most people would agree that taking money out of politics would be a good thing? Or is that is that a split or um or maybe what's your stance? Well, I think it's like what what is the money being used for? Like I think campaign donations, like people have to run campaigns, right? Like you have to raise money to cuz you're not being paid as a candidate. You have to raise money to reach your audience and deliver a message. Um so you could make an argument that um, like a group or a politician that is really strong should have the ability to raise more funds if more people want to support them. I guess the flip side would could be you could have a, a, um, a construct where the government gives X amount to each party and they're not allowed to have additional funds and that would be a seem maybe more like a fair level playing field. But yeah, I mean, that's like, that's also like a bigger argument, right? Like, that's like a socialization of uh, democracy, right? Right. Like, if you, someone raises a ton of money and does a really, you know, hard work and gets all their, the, the funding in, they can deliver a bigger message and someone does nothing. And True. then putting them on equal playing, that, that's weird. But yeah. at the same time, there are some people who don't have the means, who may have really good ideas to, you know, um, go up against someone with a lot of money may be more challenging. So it's whether you believe in the level playing field start like from a starting perspective, or you know you limit people's campaign spend so they have to be very careful and and equal. Any closing thoughts or comments you want to make? So one thing I me I, I me messaged you or told you the other day. Um, an interesting thing I was thinking about as I was, uh, you know, going through some of the talk track was around history and fake news, and the the idea that probably a lot of history that we know it is actually fake news because history is written by the people that killed the other people, the people that deceived the other people, the people who won the battles, the people who, you know whose religion won out, like Christianity, you know, in its early years, um, you know, people tried to get rid of Christians and then there was suddenly a balance of power and Christians tried to get rid of everything else in, in history, um, wiping out a lot of like the record and what was true and what was not true, uh, you know, based on we want to grow and make everyone Christian. Um, the same can be said for a lot of, you know, political uh, history as well. So for my chair, like, Yes, we can look at archaeology and things that are, you know, this is a fact. This city was here and it was destroyed, you know, in this year. Um, 
but like we talked about at the beginning, as long as there's been writing and as long as there's been like art and pictures depicting things, there's been f- fake or deception. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if a giant chunk of what we believe as history, probably not so much, you know, within our own lifespans or people like within the last hundred years call it, uh, but things that are, you know, more lost in time is actually false. Right. Interesting. Yeah. And they keep they keep discovering things based on, you know, archaeologic archaeological finds that prove that disprove things, and yeah. prove and disprove yeah. this sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but it makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Good chat. Awesome chat. Appreciate it. Yeah, have me on again sometime. I will. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in to Can I Ask You a Question? If you liked this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you left a rating on iTunes or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from so that more people like you can discover it. Also, it'd be super helpful if you'd be willing to leave some feedback on any ideas you have for improving future conversations using the link in this episode's description. Thanks again and see you next time.